Welcome to Marketing Legends, a program within the WVU Marketing Communications Today podcast series. Marketing Legends features marketing thinkers, innovators, practitioners, and founders, legends of the marketing world, who join co-hosts Cindy Greenglass and Ruth Stevens to talk about their careers and share their wisdom with the marketers of today. Thank you for joining us. Cindy, when we came up with the idea of a podcast about marketing legends, we went back to our past guests from our other podcast, Marketing Horizons, and asked them to nominate great marketers that they admired and had learned from. Stephen, you, as you remember, nominated Peter J. Rosenwald, the first CEO of Wonderman Worldwide and author of the acclaimed book, Accountable Marketing, the economics of data-driven marketing, which I have on my shelf and admire very much. <laughs> so let's ask Stephen to tell us why he considers Peter a marketing legend. Welcome, Stephen. Let's hear your thinking about this. Hi, good morning. Yes, when I heard about this program, I immediately thought about Peter because I, I know a lot of marketers, but not many could be called legends. <laughs> so I immediately, uh, I, my mind went to Peter's name. And the number one reason, uh, because he was preaching about accountable marketing forever. And as a database marketer myself, this is something that a lot of marketers overlook. And sometimes they just doesn't care about what happened. And, you know, our mutual friend and mentor, Lester Wonderman, emphasized this many times that if you're not measuring the result, what are you really doing? You're not a database marketer at all. But I really admire his consistency in uh, preaching this uh, really firm practice. And also his experience is number one, very international. And also his, his, his interest and expertise go beyond marketing. He's a prolific writer who writes all about art, culture, politics, society, society issues, all that, all kinds of things. And I think that kind of a perspective is very important in the age of a machine and AI, that we really need to humanize our marketing efforts and all these, um, all these uh, tools because uh, ultimately you have to use these tools to benefit humankind and you cannot offend any of the uh, recipients of our marketing messages. Therefore, all these reasons, I nominated Peter with, uh, with a great uh, joy. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephen. And welcome, Peter, to uh, Marketing Legends. It's such an honor and pleasure to have you on our episode today. And um, I am fortunate here to kick off this first question to you, if that's all right. And um, Perhaps I can cut in and say I'm enormously complimented to have become something I feared I might never become, and certainly not while I was still alive. I thought all legends were dead, so I'm doubly <laughs> grateful to be both a legend and still alive. <laughs> well, we're so grateful you're still alive as well and kicking. And, and we're speaking to you uh, from Brazil. You are indeed. Which is wonderful. So let me ask you and for our listeners, tell us, how did you get into data? Um, and why as a marketer did you stay there all these years? Well, I got into data when I was born. <laughs> Check up another birth increase the population, male, white, 
so many inches, so many pounds, name of parents, doctor, address, that sort of stuff. That expanded to schools, diseases, accidents, like falling out of trees, that sort of stuff. It was all that sort of stuff, which in 1935 and into the late 1940s was stuff which probably couldn't be sorted except with pen and ink. And if you think I'm, a dist I'm distantly, but unofficially related to the Sears Rosenwalds, you'd be right but I has never had anything to do with anything. Here's a surprising factoid for you to answer the how did you get in, into data question. The fault can be ascribed to none other, now I'm name dropping, than the great jazz trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie. Wow. Seem, seem far-fetched? Well, in 1957, when I graduated from university, Mr. Gillespie became embroiled in an unsavory scandal in the Congo while on a State Department goodwill tour, a bit too much goodwill. <laughs> Southern senators never happy that the country was being represented by a black musician, slashed the USIA budget to show their displeasure. They hardly considered me, the youngest USIA overseas program participant, nominally en route to DC for training and then to be shipped somewhere abroad, newly married, with no apartment or place for us to sleep, with very little money, and nothing but a program cut letter in a difficult market that was hardly looking for liberal arts graduates. In other words, I was really lost in the world. To answer your question, which I, I feared you might ask, I asked ChatGPT how I got into data-driven marketing. And it answered the question thus, some people may have stumbled into data through a side project or hobby. For example, they may have started analyzing data on their own out of curiosity, or they may have participated in a data-focused hackathon or competition. Well, Dizzy Galaski did it for me. I kind of tripped over it in my first real job with the Bookfind Club, and then I went on from there. Yeah, that's wonderful. I had never heard the Dizzy Gillespie story, and that that's truly unique. So how about the book on accountability and marketing? Where did that come from? Well, it came from the fact that basically um, I discovered nobody seemed to know anything about the, the numbers. It, it didn't start out as a book. It started out as some just some general work for me. The it always seemed to me that well, let me let me back off and get started. I flunked my math in my final year at prep school, and wasn't going to graduate um, because of that. And the headmaster said he'd make a make a deal with me if I'd promise never, never, never to do anything numeric, uh, <laughs> anything to do with math. Then he'd pass me, and I could graduate. <laughs> um, show, shows what happens in your life. Now, the, the thing that I realized was that people were working with averages and that average is the most dangerous word in marketing. Yes. Mm. I hate averages. We've all been there. Uh, the C-suite residents tend to only see macro numbers while 
lesser folk, the working class like us, should be up to their noses in micro numbers. And as I saw this happening, I also developed a theory, which seems to me the kind of theory everybody should have had. How much can you afford to spend to get somebody to do something and still make a profit? Yeah. That, that is how the book came about, really. Great. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's still, uh, there are still many marketers who are not thinking that way today. So we can all use a reminder from a well, legend I, like you, Peter. I looked I looked it up on um, uh, Amazon and found that there were two used copies left and one um, non-used copy. Oh, well, our listeners can go grab the last remaining. <laughs> Russia. Also, 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 the um, with it comes a, a disc. Remember discs? Right, right. I know there's a CD in the back of the book. Yeah, yeah, but nobody has CD drives anymore, so right. it's really useless. <laughs> Shows how fast well, things change. Indeed. Well, Peter, what's interesting is when you think about accountability and data, you think of things that are organized and disciplined and linear. And yet we've heard that you like to praise the idea of fresh disorder and chaos. Now, what's that all about for a data marketer? Well, a data marketer should take um, data and the chaos of data and put it into something else. Data drove everything. When I listed what the first, you asked me about how I got into data, I was born, check. I was <laughs> right. I, so much weight, check. Um, those were all data points that um, nobody paid any attention to except in a very small way. I hope some of the people who are listening to this remember addressograph plates, huh, metal, right. metal plates, which were the first um, tool we had to begin to segment, but they had little chips on them and very, very little data. And as you built up your life, you continued to build data points. Lester Wonderman said it better than anybody else. He said most things better than anybody else. He said, data is an expense. Knowledge is a bargain. Mm. And he mm. was just at the, at the moment of transforming data into knowledge. Wow, that's a great quote. But stay with that. Data is a, an expense. Knowledge, knowledge knowledge is a bargain. Well, th thanks for bringing up Lester's name. What was it like to work with him in the day? Magic. Hmm. Tell us more. I, I, I worked with, you know, Lester and I were very close for many, many years um, until his death. Um, Lester was a showman in, in so many ways. Um, he was uh, he wasn't held back by the kinds of things um, that held back a lot of people in the business. Um, I can tell you, I mean, I could tell you Lester stories for not only 30 minutes, but for the 
much longer than that. And perhaps we'll do some anecdotes. I'll tell you some stories. But Lester always saw beyond the immediate thing. But I'll tell you one anecdote to start with. One day, Neil Keating, who was the um, client at Columbia House, the, um, and we were doing the Columbia Record Club, um, was in our conference room and screaming and angry because oh, no. Lester had suggested they, a program of take ones and nobody had taken one. So there were 500,000 printed take ones, which nobody wanted to take. Um, and Lester was getting beaten about that. And he, in a wonderful moment, turned around and noticed the bookshelf, the magazine shelf in the conference room. And he picked up a copy of TV Guide and he showed it to, um, showed it to Keating and he said, now, as we speak, the media department is looking to make a deal with TV Guide to have a center fold pre-printed um, portion of the magazine. And we're going to use that whole 500,000 take ones, which will fit perfectly. Wow. He, he guessed. And he was faking the whole thing. Uh -huh. that, I mean, he was just grabbing onto a straw. That became the best media, single media unit we ever used. Right. Cardstock inserts. Fantastic. In magazines. Wow. What a guy. Thank you. But Lester, you're going to get me started on Lester. Um, <laughs> wonderful story. I, I got a call one day from Lester. I was in, in, in England and he called me and he said, we have a problem in our Canadian agency. You better get over there and get it fixed. And um, so I got on the next plane to Canada and I got with these guys and I got it fixed or more or less. Um, and I went uh, to call Lester and tell him that, we, that the problem was more or less solved. And I got him on the phone and he said, I said, I've got, you know, I'll tell you all about what happened. And he said, no, 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 no. Tell me, remember that uh, dressing you made for arugula salad? <laughs> and I, I said, yes, yeah, I remember. But don't you want to know what's, no, 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 that can wait. I have a girlfriend coming for dinner. <laughs> and I want to make that salad dressing. That was, wow, that, great. That was, that was Lester. Yeah, he had That's a full awesome. and, and rich life. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you call him um, interesting and a full and rich life, but uh, Peter, you have also had a full and rich life. And as we heard from Stephen, you're a bit of a Renaissance man yourself, if, if you don't mind us calling you that, but you have um, referred to yourself as a maverick, as well as a we call you a renaissance man and we'd like to explore a little bit why would you consider yourself a maverick oh because i didn't do things the way everybody else did them and that wasn't always an improvement by the way <laughs> the um there was just so much that appealed um that was outside of the normal order of things 
I, I go by a motto, a motto, a, a guidance paragraph that came from my, um, my tutor at, at university. He said, there is no order which is complete and there is no conforming order worth mustering, which does not invite for its life the constant and random supply of fresh disorder. For me, chaos is the greatest generator of create creativity. When you find yourself surrounded by chaos to get out of the shit, you have to do something great. And doing something great is inspired by really having chaos around you. Wow, I love that. So it sounds like you embraced or you reacted to chaos as a source of creativity and inspiration and new ideas. Absolutely. Fantastic. I mean, That's for a... instance, you know, one doesn't see these things. One doesn't see the enormous change that came. I mean, if you look at the, the Direct Marketing Association, it had five name changes in about 20 years, and they reflected the changing marketplace. When I said about punch cards and um, addressograph, most younger people in the business today have never heard of these things. They don't understand that there is an allowable amount you can afford to spend to get a customer. They right. think in other, in other terms. Now, I don't understand why they can't think about these um, in, in simple economic terms. I mean, I would like to go and have a Rolls Royce, but um, I have to think now, can I afford, I can't afford to have a Rolls Royce. <laughs> and it's, we ask these questions of ourselves all the time. And, um, and we should do the same when we're making marketing investments. Absolutely. So I created a program that looks at the return on marketing investment. And that's been the economic guidance. Fantastic. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you know, Peter, there's so much action-packed information you could share with us about your uh, your life and, and, and what you've experienced. And as we said at the beginning of our show, uh, you've been living in Brazil. And I, we'd like to explore a little bit about how you ended up there and and, and, and what your daily life is a little like there in Brazil for our listeners? Well, I'm, I'm retired now. Um, I'm 87. Uh, so um, my life doesn't have the mobility it used to have. When we started Wonderman Worldwide, um, it was in the garden of my house in London. And Lester was there and we had had a beautiful dinner and we were on the second bottle of very good wine. Um, and he said, look, we have got to take what we do in the States and take it abroad. Our clients will, will want to go abroad. We have to be there. So let's build an international company. 
and Wonderman Worldwide was um, uh, on the second bottle of Talbot. Um, <laughs> Love uh, it. And, and so we made deals in England and France and Germany. And um, today, Wonderman Worldwide is, I think I saw somewhere it's 87 countries. I didn't think there were 87 countries, um, but that many countries and billions of uh, of billing it's amazing what's happened and the the most wonderful moment was when j walter thompson was folded into wonderman uh, it was for lester the crowning glory mm. um, we when when we were young we couldn't get an appointment to see a, an account executive at J. Walter Thompson. We were in mail order, direct mail. Well, we don't see those people. And one of the interesting things um, about the business then was it had a lot of women in it. And the reason it had a lot of women in it was because they couldn't get jobs at advertising agencies. It was above them and they were second class citizens. And they had to come into direct marketing if they wanted to be in this business. And of course, some of the best of direct marketers have been women. Wow, great story. I, uh, I, I might call it the revenge of the nerds. Perhaps, yeah. So with all the changes that you outlined and that you've experienced, where do you think accountable marketing, data-driven marketing is headed? Well, you know, I think it's there. Um, you say, where is it headed? Well, data-driven is there. Um, it hasn't got more to accomplish, but accountability has to be the foundation. And that's where there's a lot to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Many executives just don't know the economics. I keep coming back to this. Economics must drive stat must drive strategy. I love that. I, I could tell you, give you some examples if we have we have time. There is um, uh, the biggest bank in Brazil is a bank um, that used to be called um, oh Itaú. And they hired us to look at a problem they had, which was they were allowed by law here to send out credit cards without requesting people requesting them. And they had sent out lots of cards and um, they couldn't get people to uh, um, de-block them. So they were spending money and spending money and spending money and they weren't getting anything back, which is not a position banks really like. Right. Um, and um, they hired us to see what we could do about that. Well, if you examined what they were spending and what they could afford to spend, they were spending far less than they could afford to spend in marketing money. This came out of an analysis of how the money was being spent and the number of months they had to wait to get a, a conversion and the low rates of conversion. So what we proposed and what we tested was very simple. We sent out a mailing 
which said the day after you the cards had been sent out, another a mailing saying, you got this wonderful card, it's great, all those benefits, et cetera. But there's in one more benefit that is a secret. Call, uh -huh. this, call this number to find out what it is. And um, what we said when they called was, because you called, um, we want to give you, we want to tell you that we have, we have credited your card with 10, 20, 30, 40, or 50 reais, the currency. We credit your account. You can start using it right away. Wow. Well, they, they're giving you money, but we've, we knew what we could afford to give. Right. If we hadn't done that analysis, we could never have, the strategy never would have been developed. It, right. It it increased. It was a, a thousand percent improvement. What a, what a fabulous idea! Well, I mean, it's a simple idea. It, it, again, look at the numbers. Right. So, could you share with us some of the mentors that you learned from, other than Lester, of course, who we've talked about a lot? You've mentored so many others. Who who did you learn from? Well, this is a small and tiny list of names you probably never heard of. Frank Johnson, Dick Benson, Marge Dyer, Jerry Hardy, um, and of course, Lester. Um, all of them, uh, Jim Parton, hundreds of wonderful colleagues for whom I have learned, stolen so much. <laughs> um, uh, happily, all these people were together when I left American Heritage to go and live in um, Europe. I left not like Tucker Carlson, but um, <laughs> in much different. They had a luncheon for me at the Harvard Club, and I had all of those people there. And I thought, this is direct marketing. These are the, these are the legends. Many of them no longer alive, I'm sorry to say, but they were the legends. What a great story. I wish Cindy and I could have attended that luncheon ourselves. Yes, been a fly on the wall. Well, Peter, with um, the small remaining time that we have left, can we ask you, uh, looking back, if you could uh, see your younger self, what advice would you have given your younger self that now that you have had such a full life and and, and ability to, to experience so much? Simply trust your heart, not your head. Engage chaos. Don't put money ahead of fun and adventure. I've always managed to split my life between working and, and marketing, which I love, but also writing for the, I was for 17 years, the, uh, critic, the dance critic and culture critic for the Wall Street Journal. And I've been written on lots of stuff on, in the arts. Don't get hooked into just working. Trust your heart, not your head. Engage chaos. Find chaos and then unravel it.
Aha. Uh -huh. Wow. Well, hasn't this been a fantastic conversation? I've learned so much and it's been such a joy, Peter, having you as our guest Indeed. on Marketing Legends. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Peter. You've been listening to WBU Marketing Legends, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. The WBU Reed College of Media's online programs is honored to host these amazing guests who have helped make marketing what it is today. Please be sure to visit go.wbu.edu slash mctoday to hear previous discussions, listen to the Marketing Horizon series, subscribe to receive updates, as well as learning more about the renowned WVU Marketing Communications online programs.